0: All right, coming to you live from inside a volcano, it's the Movie Change Up Podcast. As always, I'm your host, uh, Joe Fricke. And if you didn't see our preview, it's James Bond month. So we're going to be doing a little James Bond talk here today. And this is our Mount Rushmore episode where we'll be breaking down various uh components of bond and giving our kind of mount rushmore of what those categories are if you're not sure what it means to be like a list of mount rushmore it doesn't necessarily mean the top four. uh it just means these four that we think represent the various things we would like to represent and our categories today are bond songs henchmen worst moments best moments bond girls Cold Opens, and finally Villains. And if you're curious why we didn't just do our Mount Rushmore of Bonds, it's because it's kind of self-explanatory. We'd pick probably Connery, Moore because he was in the most, Daniel Craig because he's the current and most popular one, and then it's just kind of, okay, which one don't we include? Is it Brosnan, <laughs> is it Lazenby, or is it Timothy Dalton? So they really just didn't really feel like much of an interesting discussion in uh, a Mount Rushmore of Bond, but before we get to it, let me introduce our or my co-hosts. Uh, first off, we got Johnny Dupe. You're far and away the biggest Bond <laughs> fan of the three of us. So, kind of, what, what were your thoughts coming into this?
1: I'm um, I'm excited. I'm I'm uh, a little obsessed with this uh, with this franchise. So, obviously, this month I've been looking forward to since we started planning it. And this was an episode I was excited to get to because last week was a fun uh, discussion for anyone who checked it out of us spinning the wheel and talking about random topics but i like going into this knowing the conversations that we will be had um and characters or moments that we didn't mention uh, last week or get into detail that we get to uh really uh delve into today and I, I know my favorite stuff from the from the series so i'm very interested to see um as like a lifelong bond fan compared to two newer uh bond fans i want to see kind of how those opinions differ Um, looking at villains and songs and cold opens and and things like that i think that'll be fun
0: all right and uh so i finished up my watch of all 24 bond movies today i started uh, a couple weeks ago i think the only one i had ever seen was dr now so i decided you know what we're doing bond month here at movie change up it's about time i watch every single bond movie and today i watched die another day and A View to a Kill. So, Tristan, I know you kind of weren't really much of a Bond fan either. I don't know if you'd really seen any of them, and so you started this uh, watch-through as well. How's your watch-through coming? Did you finish? And w- what's your thoughts on today's Mount Rushmore?
2: Yeah, I'll say that before this uh, marathon here, the only Bonds that I'd seen were Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, and Spectre. <laughs> so I was pretty much completely blind going into this, and I had a great time with it. I'm, I'm not quite done. I have, I think, four or five left on my on my lineup here but i'm i'm getting there you know and having a great time with it i have a few of the uh more lower ranked ones left to go so i'm curious how i feel about the ones that are more universally disliked <laughs> but i'm looking forward to this uh mount rushmore I'm, I'm having a great great time with the franchise i've been kind of blown away by it really all of the movies i've watched so far have had at least moments or things worth talking about so i'm curious what we'll be mentioning here because i don't think it's all going to be like the top five most talked about bond movies i have a couple here that i think are slightly deeper cuts for stuff that I appreciated in other movies, so I'm excited to talk about all that and more in this episode.
0: Alright, and yeah, basically, as someone who didn't really have nostalgia and didn't really know what was popular and what was liked in the Bond movies before I started, I just kind of was able to pretty much form my own opinion on them as I watched them. I realized other people's rankings are bullshit because there were times <laughs> where things were ranked at the bottom, and I was like, "How is that on the bottom?" That's one of my favorites, or whether whether it's a song, or you know, just a movie in general, or a henchman, or a villain. So this will be really interesting and fun to talk about. And without further ado, let's get started. And we are kicking this off with Bond songs, and so my Mount Rushmore of Bond songs. First off, I have the song I was familiar with the most before I started because I'm more most familiar with the Guns N' Roses cover, and that is Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney and Wings. I think it's just a good, solid song. I think it stands alone outside of Bond, and uh, it's kind of why I chose it. It was the one I knew before I started, like I said. Next up, we have Goldfinger by uh, Shirley Bassey. I think it's kind of the... I mean, it wasn't obviously from the first Bond movie, but I think it's kind of the icon most most iconic of the early connery ones so that's why i chose that one uh, next up, we got the song I Can't Stand With a Passion, because if you listen to our last episode, where I talked about when I worked at Dollar General, there was about three or four months where they decided to play the radio while we worked, and those three or four months was why when Skyfall was all over the radio. So about every three or four songs, this song would come on, and it would, just through Pavlov's response of working at Dollar General, it made me hate this song, but I still had to pick it, and that's Adele's uh, version of Skyfall. And then finally in my fourth slot uh, I, can, I didn't want to pick Shirley Bassey again, I wanted to have a little bit more representation, so I decided to go with Nobody Does It Better by Carly Simon from The Spy Who Loved Me and those are my four picks. Live and Let Die Goldfinger, Skyfall, and Nobody Does It Better and So right. Johnny, I, what is your Mount Rushmore?
1: I like those picks a lot um, I I agree with most of them, so I'll get to those first I have Goldfinger, I think that's one of the most, if not the most iconic Bond song outside of Bond's original theme, which by the way, we are not including for this list if we didn't mention that, because we already did an episode on just character themes in general, and we had the Bond theme, so obviously that would make under Bond songs, um, but Goldfinger, just you get the, the nice brassy sound, strong female voice, um, just really iconic song, uh, just great overall, nothing really else to say about it. Um, I as well. I also have Skyfall. It was the first Bond song to win an Oscar. I think that's important for, um, doing, uh, like a Mount Rushmore. Um, and it's the best of like the modern Bond songs, probably the best we've had since the eighties because uh, we didn't get any good ones really for the Brosen films. And I think it's my, it's easily my favorite from the Daniel Craig movies. Not the one from Born of agree, No, not the worst song. Um, in the history of Bond, but I also have "Nobody Does It Better" from *The Spy Who Loved Me* by the great Carly Simon. Um, lyrically, it's the best Bond song because it just describes the character so well. Um, and I like that it's like a it's a female point of view, basically talking about Bond. I really like when the songs kind of take on um, you know roles like that in it, and it's not just like blandly describing a villain or something. Like we mentioned with *The Man with the Golden Gun* last week in our other show. Um, But I think that one is pretty universal uh, universally loved. It's my personal favorite. And then where I differ from Joe, um, I wanted to go with one of the more kind of Rocky rock and roll ish bond songs, but I didn't go live and let die because I don't think that encapsulates the era quite as well as um, a view to a kill by Duran Duran. It's not like one of my personal favorite bond songs, but I think It was finally, um, as far as like the songs, they were getting Lulu and um, like people that were kind of past their prime and people that no one really cared about to do a lot of the songs. And Duran Duran was like the big act at the time. They were really popular. And this was the first Bond song that was like a number one hit um, on Billboard. So I think that just like the accomplishment with Skyfall being the first Oscar one, I don't think you can look past A View to a Kill of how popular it was at the time. And, you know, that's a big reason nowadays that they really try to get big artists with big names and you get Billie Eilish for, you know, um, no time to die and you get Adele when she's big because Duran Duran kind of really set that, that tone um, for it. So I think that deserves to be on the list and that just slightly outdoes live and let die even though i prefer live and let die as a song i think just for the franchise itself of you do kill is more iconic so those are my four
2: I, I have two crossovers with each of you guys so i'm going to go through those crossovers really quick first of course i have goldfinger i think it's the iconic song of the sean connery era and you see it referenced even in other eras of bond it's super uh known for the Sean Cotting era. I also think it's just really effective. The brass and the way the motif kind of repeats. I mentioned this in the previous episode, but I think this is the most effective of the songs in the way that they use it throughout the movie. Like you see it throughout a couple scenes, you just get like that sting of the horns and things like that. It feels present throughout the movie. So I think that was really impressive with the use of Goldfinger and how much it was worked into the actual movie itself and not just like, oh, here's the pop single for the for the movie and then move on. I also have "Beautiful Kill. I think this is probably my personal favorite of the Bond songs. <laughs> I think it's like a incredibly, I think it fits Roger Moore's tone really well for his general runs, Bond, especially with that movie. So I think it really sets you in like this fun kind of era of Bond where you're not, it's not a spy thriller type song. It's not one where you're taking the movie hyper seriously. It kind of just puts you in like this cool mood to relax and have a good time. And I think that's what Roger Moore's movie movies represent for me is just having a good time with it. So that's my pick for that. And for me, the one that I think kind of, of course, Live and Let Die has gone beyond Bond. And, but I also think Diamonds Are Forever has gone beyond Bond. So that's my third pick is Diamonds Are Forever. I've heard it sampled a ton in like rap music and hip hop music a lot. And it's kind of resonated through that culture. It's resonated in a lot of other music uh, music genres. And the movie itself isn't necessarily great, but I think it's worth yeah. noting to see like a bad Bond movie. that also has randomly a great song <laughs> as the choice. And my last one is an oddball pick, an odd job pick, is if you would. Uh, it's not necessarily the greatest Bond song, but we're not saying best Bond songs. This is the Mount Rushmore song. Going with one that I think is iconically known as being the worst of the worst, and it's Madonna's "Die Another Day." I think everyone talks, oh, I love the Bond songs except for Madonna's one. You know, and I think there's worse songs out there, but I think that's well known enough in the pop culture is like the bad Bond song that I wanted to throw it in there. The same way you'd put like Haley Berry's Catwoman. I'm like a superhero Mount Rushmore because you're like here's the one that's the worst of the worst you know <laughs> so I'm throwing out some love to the bad ones for that one that makes my four songs A Vita Will Kill, Goldfinger, Diamonds Are Forever, and "Die Another Day
0: all right all right. Well, uh, I've kept track of everyone's list, and it looks like we have four four that have multiple. So only four that have multiple. So I can read those off. If we want to go with those four, I already know what Johnny's vote is on that one, but we can go with those four because our four are Goldfinger, Skyfall, Nobody Does It Better, and A few to a Kill.
1: Which is yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> That's my list. Sounds like Johnny um,
2: Noises bond, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. So if we... I will say the 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 other one, I'm have on my list that i I was hoping maybe one of you two snuck on so i could maybe fight for it i just don't think it reaches iconic but i think it might be the best one of the best songs is the opening um the instrumental opening by john barry of honor majesty secret service and like tristan mentioned that's used throughout the the film and i i would like them you know to maybe go back to just an instrumental one day um and and do something cool with it and tie it into the Uh, score of the actual film like that movie did i couldn't fight that over i was originally had that on there but i couldn't get over a view to a kill was just such a popular song at the time it was the first like huge bond hit all right
0: so are we good with those four I'm good so. with those.
2: That's right. like a good mix of ours. All right. yeah. It's all Johnny's, of course, but... Yeah, <laughs> we but all got three of my four,
0: there. so I'm happy with it. Yeah, so uh, that so our show's uh, Mount Rushmore of James Bond songs is Goldfinger from Goldfinger, Skyfall from Skyfall, Nobody Does It Better from whatever movie it was from, and The a View Spy to, Who Loved Me, The Spy Who Loved Me, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, A View to a Kill from A View to a Kill. I don't know why I had to say what movie they were from when the only one was different, but, you know, live shows it'll
1: happen i will say this the thing about the "A view to a kill song is a view to a kill is such a bizarre title like overall like it doesn't really make sense i wish they went with the other lyrics of the duran duran song for the title of the film and called it dance into the fire i think would have been a really cool um bond theme and like especially because you have him you know you have the uh Library, whatever they are, burned down with him in it and stuff. I think that would have been a really cool title for, yeah. for that movie. But real quick, before we move on, I would I do want to shout out Tristan's picks of Diamonds Are Forever. I agree. That one was, it was between that or Goldfinger as like the Shirley Bassey songs. But I went with Goldfinger just for the series is more iconic, even though Diamonds Are Forever might transcend past the series better. Um, like you mentioned with like modern day music and stuff. And then Die Another Day is Definitely known as the worst of the worst, and you got to acknowledge the bad Bond songs in most cases. But in Mount Rushmore, I don't think you need to throw it up. But I respect Tristan's uh, passion behind it.
0: All right.
1: For sure. And, Look, uh, if there's
2: one thing that runs through Bond, it's that some of them are just bad, and <laughs> that's kind of part of the charm of the franchise, at least for me. Right.
0: And we do have a comment. Uh, someone said, Live and Let Die I did spend 10 weeks on the chart, peaking at number eight. But if we want to go yep. with chart toppers, then I think uh, uh, A View to a Kill at number one kind yeah. of takes that spot so uh next up our next category we have Henchman and uh johnny do you want to kick that off
1: yeah this is a tough one um so i'll start with the easy one um odd job from goldfinger you he's probably he's arguably the most iconic um he kind of sets the standard for like the big tough guy uh exterior like that you punch him and he doesn't react to it like it doesn't hurt him nothing hurts him I love the the bomb scene at the end just alone with uh Connery's bond fighting odd job and the the timer slowly ticking away is awesome and his death is iconic with the the hat getting electrified I, I think is cool I like when bond has to do something out of the norm to take out a henchman because he can't just like shoot him or you know do anything like that so I like that Um I my next 3 are maybe a little interesting or questionable and I want to see if they're included in the other list. My personal favorite henchman is Nick Knack, so I got to throw him on there. Um we talked about this when we did uh Hall of Fame of uh like sidekicks, villain or sidekicks.
0: It? Yeah, that's Um
1: and I think Nick rather than like the henchman, he makes such a great sidekick because he his whole angle with Scare manga is so different than anything else. He he's there to try to get people to kill Skarmanga because then he gets everything. But he won't double-cross him. He's loyal to him. I think that's a really cool um, angle, and I want to see stuff like that maybe expanded more in, like, future Bond films. So I like um, Nick Nack. He's very iconic. Herbie uh, valchez is awesome. So I think he should be on there because he's also, like, him and Skarmanga are the only reason to even watch The Man with the Golden Gun. Yep. Um, and then I went with one that might not make anyone else's list. I was debating on this and a more iconic character, but I'm going to go with Irma Bunt because I think she represents the female hench person. She uh, is in honor, Majesty's secret service as Blofeld's like number, number two, basically. And she is the one who kills Bond's wife at the end. So I think that's a really iconic moment and you got to go by, you know, henchman, she doesn't die. She was successful in, doing what she did, you know, all the other henchmen either fail or die or whatever. I, I, she succeeds in her mission. I think that is important. And then my last one, um, is someone that maybe didn't make the list. If people don't consider him a henchman, but I do. And that is, uh, red grant from, from Russia with love. Um, you get Rosa club as the main villain and he's uh, basically focused on as, as a, uh, more of a main character, um, but all in all, that's my best. That's my favorite performance of any Bond villain or henchman from Robert Shaw, um, and it leads up to a moment we might talk about later uh, in best Bond moments with the train sequence. So I like that, and it was yeah, Jaws. Um, it was really really hard to leave off this list. Now, I wasn't referring me,
0: to I wasn't referring to the shirt because of Jaws. I was referring because uh, he was in Jaws and Robert so.
1: Shaw. Oh well, that reminds me. I want to see. I'm guessing Joss probably makes at least one of your lists, but I didn't have him on mine just because I felt like it was a little similar to odd job. And I think odd job kind of took the, like the real strong henchman that bond can't defeat type of guy off the list for me. So, you know, I'm here for the argument, but I'm interested to see what you guys have. um, And definitely interested to see what Tristan considers to be the Mount Rushmore bond (laughs) henchman.
0: There's layers to this shirt. Okay. So uh, there's a lot of layers. Tristan. It's like an like an
2: ogre, you know, yeah. or an onion. Yeah. Like an onion and an ogre.
0: Yeah.
2: All right, so for my henchman, I have I have two crossovers with Johnny. I'll go over those really quickly. I have Nick Neck, of course. I think Nick Neck is such an okay. incredibly fun c- character. To watch like it's one of the, it's a character that I feel like in twenty twenty one they never would have done it because they would be like, Oh, this is offensive to put it, like a little person in this kind of a role but it doesn't like make fun of him for being a little person you know he's i guess he's like it's just intimidating or just as threatening as any other henchman would be you know and i think that's pretty impressive for a franchise that isn't necessarily very progressive with, with its portrayal of certain groups <laughs> mm-hmm. it was kind of cool to see Nick Nack portrayed powerfully and i actually did uh include red grant as a henchman i think he's incredible in that role and i think he works so well especially in the sequel he's like this very cold Foil to what Bond is you know he's like this opposite of Sean Connery with the gray hair and he looks sort of like him but he's like this alien bizarro version like this cold twisted version of Bond who I think makes a perfect foil to Bond especially in From Russia With Love which is a much I mean it has good action scenes but it's much more slower methodical kind of spy thriller compared to the other two movies on either side of it and around it (laughs) so I think Red Grant's a great fit in there and I, I did include Jaws in my list. I think if you include an iconic henchman, you got to include the one that came back in a, multiple movies and uh, had a reappearance in Moon uh, Moonraker. Not necessarily great, but, you know, it's a, it's a moment mm-hmm. to have a henchman that has multiple appearances, and he was such an iconic part that I feel like the fans wanted him to come back is how I kind of read it. And it was, the fans were like, oh, we love Jaws, so they were like, oh, let's bring Jaws back, and I think that's worth noting. And my last one is one that uh, hasn't gotten mentioned yet it is Xena on top from Goldeneye. I think she is just ridiculous enough that she fits within like the Pierce Brosnan over like exaggerated nineties kind of Bond movies. And I also wanted to give some love to a, a woman henchman. And I think she is so kind of over the top and uh, she has like this femme fatale to the extreme kind of energy that I think really fits well with Bond and fits well with uh, the era of Bond. So she's my pick as kind of my outsider pick for the henchman. I think she's a really fun, ridiculous kind of character that, never goes far enough that i'm not that it goes too far it goes just far enough that it's ridiculous (laughs) the perfect way to do a bond movie or a bond villain i would say
0: all right and uh i have uh three that cross over with you guys so first off i just want to say obviously i have nick knack you gotta have nick knack he's he's great yeah just like johnny said him and uh christopher lee are the only reason to watch the man with the golden gun like I'd be perfectly fine if we could somehow go back in time and just get, like, a Scaramanga knickknack movie. We don't need James Bond in that movie. It's it's great. And, uh, next up, uh, just like Tristan, I have Jaws. You gotta have Jaws. Uh, I wanted to include him because I think he's the only villain that's really in two movies. And then we also kind of see him, uh, reform of him turning, you know, good, uh, kind of by the end and having a little mini arc there with falling in love and all that. And I thought that was kind of nice. Here's to us. So I included Jaws, and uh, also had Ren- Red Grant as well. Did not expect all three of us to have Red Grant, but I kind of I, I put him on because I like the idea of having a henchman who was designed essentially to fight James Bond and be a foe to James Bond. I thought that was really good. And then obviously Robert Shaw, great actor, and I, you know, their fight scene was really great as well. And then uh, for my fourth pick, I kind of had to go for a twofer. And that is uh, <laughs> Mr. Went and Mr. Kid from Diamonds Are Forever, who uh, okay. I I thought were great. You have Chris Glover's dad in there, and then some other guy,
1: and who's never uh, acted before. Yeah. The other guy, um, I, I thought I, they I were, thought two they of were of great. my favorite characters. I love them.
0: I, I thought they were great, and as i was compiling this list i was watching diamonds are forever and i'm like i need more henchmen i need a good henchman to come up and then these two goombas just walk into the screen (laughs) and i'm like oh these are my guys right here and every scene that they were in just fully solidified more and more that they should be the henchmen they're just kind of intimidating but also kind of dumb i felt like they just walked straight out of like a coen brothers movie or something like i could totally see them in the big lebowski and uh yeah, those are my uh, four picks. You got Knickknack, Red Grant, Jaws, and Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid. And so, looking that. at our list, I think we have three locks. Uh, two of us had Knickknack, all three of us had Red Grant, and uh, two of us had Jaws. And uh, so, it's now we have to dis- probably decide who gets that fourth spot, fourth spot unless we want to do some rearranging. Uh, as far as me voting for one that wasn't on my list, I would probably go... With uh, Irma Bunt from Honor Majesty's Secret Service,
2: I would also go with that. <laughs> Here, here's
0: here's my but I like or... I
2: like my I like mine because she's ridiculous and she's fun and she has that, that kind of high energy. But yeah, not not I don't know. I yeah. mean, she I was like my fun.
0: Urban Bunt was like my honorable mention, and I was fighting back and forth honestly between Red Grant and her, and I decided ultimately that I preferred Red Grant, so I went with uh, I went that direction.
1: Yeah. the here's here's um. My my other people mentioned for henchmen were Mr. Went Mr. Kid. I always liked uh, Loke from For Your Eyes Only. I thought he was one of the only interesting parts of that movie. Yeah. Um, Necros in The Living Daylights like fit that. There's so many blonde Russian henchmen like um, Stomper in uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, but like Necros is like the most effective when he goes in as the milkman and just like takes everyone out. I always love that scene. Um, and Jaws, obviously, I have on the side i figured he'd end up making the list but i i'm surprised that both of you had him over um odd because i think odd job is more iconic but they did bring jaws back for a second movie my thing of um jaws the reason i didn't have him on is because he turns good at the end if we're gonna go we still count him as a henchman when they turn good at the end i changed my vote from irma bunt to mayday and I I think Mayday is the best female henchman of the of the franchise. I had Irma Bunt um, because she's evil throughout and has that. But, man, I, I love Grace Jones' as Mayday. And I know Joe just watched uh, View to a Kill, so I want to see if he... Uh, see, if to he me, she
0: was, that. like, my least favorite part of that movie. I
1: don't know. Whatever, oh. whatever
0: it was, I was just like, eh, I don't care about her character that much. Like, she wasn't, like, different enough or interesting enough to really stand out, so... Damn. As far as like well, one of those weird no, villains. And then funny. I didn't have odd job because I couldn't look at odd job without thinking of random task from Austin powers. And if you want to <laughs> not have a good time, read about the actor that played random tasks. So.
1: Oh no. I
0: don't.
2: I went do with jaws that, so. because jaws is just an odd job character, but like cooler <laughs> and more, oh, yeah. more goofy. He kills a
1: shark. Like you can't, you <laughs> yeah. can't, you know, go for it. So I agree. And yeah, so we'll keep Irma Bunt, you guys said, but yeah, I love Xenia. She was also in consideration. The funny thing about so Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid, Bruce Glover, who's like the weird, he's a very weird dude in real life. And Putter Smith was a jazz bassist who played um, Mr. Kid. And when he comes on, he was kind of like nervous about doing a movie because he hadn't done anything. And um, Putter Smith is like, "Don't worry, just give me all of your lines, and we'll be fine." And the guy's like, "No, I can't do that." But yeah, Putter Smith, not a great dude in real life. I don't think, um, or not sorry. Um, Putter Smith, great guy. Uh, fucking Glover. It, Putter Glover, no Bruce Glover. Um, not not a great guy, and uh, you know, but they had some on screen chemistry. I like that they were a gay duo. Um, oh,
0: they were, I didn't catch that, I guess.
1: It doesn't really you, change it. Watch that movie again, and you'll catch it. Um, the whole movie overall, it. gay. Well, like they get on the plane, and he's like. I forget even who says it, but they're like, "Oh, she looks, or that's a beauty, or she looks pretty good, or whatever." And the one guy goes, "Yeah, for a woman." <laughs> and then they hold hands, and they're yeah, it's pretty obvious. I just thought they were like, and these then, two it,
0: weird and then if it's
1: not obvious enough when Connery throws um Bruce Glover, Mr. Wint, out of the boat at the end. He like gives him a wedgie or whatever, and he goes, "Ooh," <laughs> like he enjoys it. If that wasn't enough of a giveaway for a <laughs> good either way, because you know, there's. The Bond, the Bond franchise is not necessarily known for its subtlety. Yeah, um, so I, I, I'm surprised that made it past you. Oh well, they're but still I,
0: deserving I to be on about. the list. That's all I'm saying. Of course,
1: I love them. They they are ridiculous characters, but they're my favorite part of that movie. Honestly, them and Charles Gray's Blofeld, I think, are great. So, um, so yeah, what that gives us? So our, our yeah, our, our four, the, right? the
0: Mount Rushmore for our show for uh, James Bond villains, we have Nick Nack, Irma Bunt, Red Grant, and Jaws. Here we go, and that That's brings us cool. to Tristan to but not nearly as cool a name as
1: Anatop, but you know I know Xenia Anatop, great. Xenia name. Anatop. She like she has an orgasm every time she kills someone, basically. <laughs> like I like the villain, the henchmen that have like weird, like kinks or weird yeah. things like that.
0: Also, I want to say I uh, read a trivia thing. Speaking of Mayday that in her like sex scene or I don't know if it was officially a sex scene, but like a makeout scene with Roger Moore, she like brought a black dildo and I thought that was kind of funny. So
1: yeah, she, well, she like, she brought it out to freak out Roger Moore. They did not like each other. She did not like him. Um, you know, but yeah, I heard
2: that he got along very well with most of the people on set and for some reason those two just did not at all get along. (laughs) It kind yeah, of comes they, through they in flash. the performance. I feel like
1: this. Got they have a weird relationship. Yeah, they do. But I like Mayday Joe. Oh, all right, I Trist- disagree on that.
0: Tristan, what are your? What is your Mount Rushmore of worst Bond moments?
2: There's some rough ones, and I. Uh, it was hard to, you know, the, for a franchise with so many highs. There's also so many lows, and you, you don't really hear about the lows until you start watching the movies, and you're like, oh, oh god, they really did that. Uh, I'm gonna go with one that it's not as offensive as much as it is just bad and kind of like it's become a problem that the franchise can't escape and it's the line this never happened to the other guy he has this kind this of it's, the, the first fella. movie after sean connery's gone so they have to kind of lampshade the fact that it's a new bond and i felt like it was really unnecessary and it also kind of creates this whole thing you see on memes every like couple of months it's like oh have you heard this in the Bond franchise, it's actually a shared code name between all of these different people. And it's like, all of that essentially comes down to like this one throwaway line that they can't get past. And I, I don't I don't think it's good to have these characters connecting in that way. And I just think it, it, it makes everything confusing. So <laughs> that's my pick for that one. My next one is one, like I mentioned, one that was so offensive. You wonder, how did they do that when they did that? Let alone if they did that today. And it's first you become a Japanese. Uh, son connery has to uh literally dress up as like a as a japanese man and and go undercover and you wouldn't believe that this was in a big budget franchise movie that is still acclaimed and talked about all the time but like that was one of those moments where i was like there what wait rewind that scene again and you don't expect that early in a franchise too that's something you expect like when they've lost run out totally run out of ideas but that was like early on I'm um, giving another, uh, not necessarily a moment, uh, just like a sequence of, of choices uh, to dub over Gene Lazenby in, in a large sequence of
1: his movie. I think that uh, really George, limits his. Tristan really struggles with this dude's name. Last week it was George Lazenberry. now it's Gene Lazenby. And you know, we'll I'm, I'm, right, I'm all week. over
2: the place. There's too many. <laughs> he's only made one movie, you know, and it wasn't. It was all right, but yeah. <laughs> I think dubbing over his performance was it was a big mistake and or uh, just
0: hiring him
2: if you have to dub him, you know. Like why yeah, why why to dub over Bond in half the movie when you're trying to sell this guy as your next Bond? It it, it hurt it, he would have probably been an interesting Bond if they gave him a chance to shine and this just kind of shows they never really did. <laughs> and my last one is not a specific moment, but it's a moment that happens a lot throughout a lot of the Bond movies, especially in Roger Moore, and I just wrote down all of the women beating Uh, Because there seems to be quite a lot of that in the Bond franchise, and it makes it very hard to recommend it to people. Because it's like, oh, this movie is really awesome, and Timothy Dalton's so cool. But also, he like beats his woman, or like (laughs) Sean Connery's so cool and suave, and I want and like a role model for. And then it's like, but also he's beating women, and it's like, okay, uh, but yeah, and that's that's necessarily moment, but it's a moment that kind of happens all the time throughout the franchise. So I, I included that in my worst Bond moments.
1: Tristan, what was your third one? Before the women beating. George women. Lazenby dub?
2: Yeah, dubbing over Lazenby. Uh, George
1: Lazenby. I got it loving. now. Why
2: did I have it halfway there? Gene Lazenberry. A couple letters. Gene Lazenby. There you it's go. It's like All you're, you're
0: mixing George Lazenby and then Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, <laughs> into just one guy.
2: There you go. Interesting guy.
0: All right. Uh, so that brings me to My list. And uh, my first one, I agree with Tristan. I have, first, you must become Japanese from You Only Live Twice. Just, like, if it mattered at all to the plot, I could kind of maybe forgive it and understand it. But him trying to look Japanese didn't really need to happen. He could just continue to be a white British guy because he's still the entire time just in the village with the people that already know who he is so it's just like why did we do this it's, <laughs> other than it just kind of is a little racist the whole time uh, he's walking around with his you know hair, weird haircut and his hunch down. and yeah They originally when they say that they like put stuff over his eyelids but then I guess when he's walking around he doesn't have stuff on his eyelids I don't know yeah. it was just very bad uh, next I have the Tarzan yell from Octopussy it's <laughs> half a second and it's garbage just like he's swinging from vines and it's just a straight up full on Tarzan yell and I as I was <laughs> yeah, watching the movie uh, I'm well, like what the hell is number why who, who Some like multiple people signed off on this multiple people oh. said you know what you know what James Bond needs to do right now yell and scream like Tarzan <laughs> so uh, had to include that on my list I got that and uh, my list went away I all, don't see my list right now but I also included the brother reveal from Specter because hey if James Bond can do anything with this franchise why not just copy Austin powers why not why not have the evil villain essentially be the stepbrother of James Bond you know yeah. it was it was by far and away the worst part of this movie the worst part of the Daniel Craig uh, movies didn't need to happen you could have them connected in other ways that wasn't exactly what Austin Powers, the parody of James Bond, did. Uh, so yeah, it was bad. And then finally, for my fourth slot, we talked about this before, I have just the Die Another Day uh, intro theme, or the theme song. You're watching James Bond be tortured in the background, covered with garbage <laughs> CGI, as Madonna is singing this like happy pop song. And none of it makes any sense at all. I could understand it if it was, like, this slower, kind of somber moment as you're watching James Bond tortured in the background, but nope, it's, like, this happy pop song talking about... Like, I'll just die another day. It's so bad. (laughs) It's the worst of the Bond theme song montage sequences. It's garbage, and it didn't need to happen. And those are my four picks.
1: Ooh, yeah, this is a tough one because... You could go all offensive moments. Um, I try to keep it because, Yeah. For moments, a uh, you know, like things like that. There's a lot of it. Um, so my first one, I agree with Tristan on the, on the women beating, but I specifically went to, so Sean Connor, you see it in pretty much all his movies. That's in the books. That was Ian Fleming's writing style. and It was in the fifties. So like you can kind of look past it a little bit and be like, okay, this was a moment in time. Um, and the one that I have specifically is the one time that you see Roger Moore do it in um, the man with the golden gun, Roger Moore slapping Mona Adams uh, in that movie, because Moore was like so against doing that. And he really didn't want to portray Bond in that way. And OK, you have Sean or you have his Bond. Maybe he's the Bond that is just like, I'll do anything for the mission. I don't care who's in my way. But Roger Moore's Bond is not that so anytime that he steps over that line, it's really, really glaring. Um, you get one of that too, like when he pushes the kid off the boat in I think Live and Let Die is a little bit like that too. But That would be Man a moment Rod- I would
2: pick probably. For- yeah,
1: yeah but Roger Moore slapping Mod Adams it just stands out so much because we should be past that by now, and then they do it with, with Moore, and it just doesn't match his, the way he portrayed the character, especially in the later ones. So that's my specific one for what Tristan had kind of the broader – um you know bond beats women category um i was debating on a quote and i had i thought christmas only came once a year but i i think this never happened to the other fella is a worse line than that because at least you you have precedent of bad lines about that in the bond movies of in Free your eyes only or no sorry in uh you only live twice he says oh in japan uh Men always come first, and Bond is like, "Oh, I should move here, or I should live here, or whatever." Basically, like you get similar type of lines that are just like kind of gross. That one is super noticeable because it's at the end. But I think um, this turn to camera. This never happened to the other fella in a pretty serious movie. Outside of that, is is takes the cake. Right before Um,
2: he like drowns someone to death, (laughs) he has like this little quip line to the camera,
1: (laughs) similar to joe's tarzan yell i'm i was debating on the kananga balloon blowing up in live and let die because that again just doesn't fit with the rest of the movie and looks super goofy but i went with the pigeon doing the double take in moonraker when he passes on the gondola that's driving like because at least the tarzan yell you have that scene and you throw over a sound and it's like okay like in the the man with the golden gun they do the same thing you have this amazing stunt of him jumping over this bridge and doing a complete um, 360, and then they and then they do a slide whistle over it. Like they just have weird moments like that. They had to do like legit camera editing to make this pigeon double take a thing. They went all in on this, and they thought this was oh this moment will kill. Like you know that's what they were thinking in that editing room, and it's just so stupid. You don't need the reaction of every person driving like that he drives by and then a pigeon. Um, I think that one is really bad. Um, and then the other one that I have, as far as just like a scene that takes me out of it and just, I think, you know, people talk about, I thought Christmas only came once a year being like the worst ending of a bond movie. I'll tell you what's way worse. The parrot bit in free rise only when Margaret Thatcher calls bond and there's a <laughs> parrot talking on the phone and she thinks it's bond and he's saying ridiculous it's the worst scene I've ever seen. It seems like a really bad advertisement for something, like a very bad phone commercial. But it's just, that is what caps off what you are selling me as, this is a serious back down to earth bond. We're doing For Your Eyes Only. You know, we did Moonraker and that was too ridiculous. So we're going to really ground this franchise. And then you end the movie with a parrot talking to a Margaret Thatcher lookalike. Um, it's wild. That That scene is just... It's Bizarre to Me That Exists. Again, that was one that you know in the editing room, they were like, this is going to kill. They thought that was a great idea. Um, similar to that, I almost went with the hockey scene in Free Eyes Only when he throws hockey player henchmen into a net and no one is in there, but all of a sudden the goal horn goes off. Um, so you get like a little taste of it, but then the ending is just bizarre. So those are my, my four moments are the parrot and the pigeon double take,
0: a lot of birds. Two
1: two bird ones. <laughs> um, this Never Happened to the Other Fella and Roger Moore slapping Mud Adams.
0: All right. So we have three that I think are locked in. We have This Never Happened to the Other Fella with uh, two votes. We have First You Must Become Japanese has two votes. Okay. Then we also I kind of just uh, put woman beating for the both of you, even though Johnny went more for a specific moment. But I just said yeah. that's. Uh, one thing and so then it comes down to uh george uh lazy beast dubbing has a vote the tarzan yell has a vote the brother reveal has a vote die another day theme has a vote pigeon double take has a vote and uh margaret thatcher phone call with a parrot has a vote
1: (laughs) So stupid tristan are the
2: reveal is so bad i forgot about how bad that is in the context of the movie the brother reveal from specter is pretty rough
0: uh, I was, I was going to say, for as far as like a Mount Rushmore goes, we don't really have anything like modern. We don't, mm-hmm. we, I mean, of what has two votes, we have a George Lazenby one, we have a Sean Connery one, and then we have a Roger Moore one. We don't really have anything recent, and I feel like a brother reveal from Spectre would cover that. Yeah, the that is far and away the worst reveal, moment in that.
1: Yeah, and the worst kind part of it of, is that it's, it affects the next movie too, so like, yeah. you don't know how much, but the in it so yeah
2: it kind of embodies all the criticisms around the movie too because people people were not happy at all about how much connected everything together and that's kind of like the way that jar jar binks embodies everything wrong with the phantom menace and people kind of like hate jar jar binks because of it i think that reveal kind of embodies like everything people don't like about specter
1: so yeah that that moment is definitely the reason that you look at that but that doesn't like kill the movie for me but i do think like even out of these other scenes That one is like the most enjoyable movie outside of the crazy, stupid reveal to me. Like Moonraker has a lot of wild stuff. So, okay, the pigeon doing the double take like is is stupid, but the movie has a lot of dumb bits. The For Your Eyes only is just honestly one of the worst Bond movies, I think. So like that capping off the end isn't as big of a deal. But yeah, Spectre, they had this long legal battle finally get the rights back and decide to go the brother route and literally just copy Austin powers. I do think that's at least a bigger sin. Um, than uh, than the other moments I will say though, as far as modern, the only other one I had in consideration is the final hand in casino Royale. That movie is so perfect. And I think the last scene it's fun, but it's just such a coincidence. They all keep revealing the hand of one trumps the other one every time. I would have liked it actually to come out of Bond being a good poker player um, and like beating him with a with a um, what's it called a, a t- like not showing his tell or whatever or something like that and bluffing would be much cool. Like getting ending. him to so, fall basically. Yeah, like do something like that. I think they went with the really easy route, um, yeah. and it doesn't quite fit with the rest of what they do in the movie. So I did consider that, but it's not as big of a an issue yeah, it's, it's as like other things. Yeah, no.
0: All right, so if we're going to go with that, that leaves our four Mount Rushmore moments for the show of worst Bond moments of This Never Happened to the Other fella from Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, first, You Must Become Japanese from You Only Live Twice. Uh, Roger Moore uh, beating a woman from whatever movie that's from. And uh, finally, uh, the brother reveal of Blofeld in Spectre. And so that with uh wrapping up worst moments brings us to best moments. And we actually get to talk about the positive side of Bond. And I will kick that off and for my first Bond or first Best Bond moment I have the James Bond intro of Doctor No, of him saying Bond, James Bond. I feel like anytime you're on like maybe a movie show or anything where they're talking about James Bond, that's the clip they show. It introduces the character for the first time and tells you everything you need to know probably the most iconic moment from the franchise so i had to include it uh next uh i went with m and the clock battery from tomorrow never dies i think judy dench judy dench's m is one of my favorite characters in this franchise and i think that was kind of a little nice moment to show her some agency and show that she's more than just a person behind the desk and uh next I, i couldn't really think of uh I wanted a Q moment because Q, I think, is really good as well, and uh, it took me a while to find a moment I really liked, but I decided to go with uh, Q shows up in License to Kill, where basically uh, James Bond isn't working for MI6 at the moment, he's gone rogue and working for himself, and Q uh, decides to go on vacation and still help James Bond out and give him the gadgets he needs, so I think it shows like Jam- Q cares more about who cares about James Bond more than just as like a coworker? That there's actually like a friendship there, and I think that was a nice fun moment. And then finally, I have kind of the Lecheef and James Bond uh, torture scene from Casino Royale. So those are my four moments. Johnny, what are your four uh, best Bond moments or four yeah, we, we have, moments? we um,
1: have some different ones here, but I do have uh, Sean Connery's reveal as Bond james bond and dr no that's the most iconic moment you could say from from the franchise from almost any movie ever made that is known as uh, one of the most iconic scenes of all time so i agree and um i went with things that i think are iconic but also some of my favorite rather than like oh this is a good moment for certain characters um because I love Q, but I don't think there's a specific moment that I would put in like in a Mount Rushmore of like the best moments from the franchise. So I went with arguably the only other shot almost as iconic as Sean Connery's intro in Dr. No is um, James Bond skiing off the side of a cliff in The Spy Who Loved Me and releasing the Union Jack parachute. Um, that like even just when I was a kid, my dad was like, you need to watch this one for the Union Jack parachute. And it's like What does that mean to me? Nothing. I don't care about the British flag, but like, it's just so cool. And it really, uh, Bond always has a backup plan. So he goes off the cliff. You don't know what he's expecting. And then he releases this parachute. Um, And it just, it looks iconic. It's a great end of a cold open. Um, And I think that's just one of the overall best Bond moments. Um, And then you go into one of the best Bond songs of all time. So I I love that. Um, And it just is very classic. I wanted to kind of, and like James Bond, I love the ski scenes. And I think that's my favorite part of all, all of the ski scenes. So I went with that. And then I went with, um, because the bond, like bond is known for being a, an iconic, like stunt franchise. They do a lot of practical stunts and things like that. I think my favorite is the base jump in again, the cold open at golden eye, um, the base jump down. The big dam is so cool. And that's something like even just playing, like growing up playing uh, GoldenEye uh, on the N64, like you beat that first level and you do the base jump or whatever. And then uh, it goes into the level in the bathroom. Like I love that. Um, so that'll always stick out to me as one of my favorite moments. And then I, it's tough to include something uh, from the Daniel Craig movies because I love so much of it. Like it's tough not to include it. Um, I really wanted to go with either the torture scene or – daniel craig getting out of the water in uh casino royale because it's the flip of the honey rider everyone wasn't sold on on his character i don't think and then they they have that scene and everyone's like oh yeah this dude's james bond for sure um but i went with the train fight uh at the end well near the end of from russia with love with red grant and sean connery's bond it's known as maybe the best fist fight of the franchise and it happened in in an era that you didn't get a lot of that everything else from this franchise is really like They do a time jump. They speed up the camera, like in Thunderball in the opening, when you get the fight scenes, they they just speed it up um, because they're actually fighting slow, and then they think the camera work does it. But this is just like a good claustrophobic fight. Um, You get a gadget involved in there with the briefcase that Red Grant can't open properly. So you get a lot of uh, bond in there, and you just get, even without the fight, you get a lot of fun, really good back-and-forth dialogue of Rod Grant being like, I've basically kept you alive to get you to this point. I think that's a really cool scene. Um, so I'm going with that. And the thing I didn't mention about the Union Jack parachute is they had like 18 cameras and for whatever reason, they all didn't work. And only one camera ended up actually catching the, the real scene because they had a stunt person actually go off the cliff and release the parachute and they almost just missed it entirely. And that was like their one shot. So they ended up getting a super iconic shot out of what could have been known as like one of the biggest failures um in hollywood of just like failing to capture something so another reason i love that scene but those are my my four as far as best moments uh, of the franchise
0: all right tristan what are your four
2: it was really hard to narrow these down because this is a franchise with so many good moments i mentioned at the top that even the bad movies have a couple moments that are pretty good you know and there has been one that I've watched so far where I thought that was like a complete waste of time. All of them at least had moments or scenes that I thought were worth uh, mentioning. But to narrow it down, I'd focus very much on on, on just moments because Johnny mentioned the fight. And for much of it, love, I think that's really, really a great scene. But I w- I'm trying to look specifically at, like moments you can capture in like a, a gif, essentially, you know, like a, a singular moment of bonds. And for me, one of the top ones is we got mentioned a little bit earlier. It's the arrival of Honey Rider and Dr. No. I think that really establishes what a Bond girl is and like the, especially in that era, it was kind of new to be seeing like a a woman coming out in a bikini that scantily dressed and in full blast color and everything like that on the big screen. And they were still coming out of an era where Hollywood was very uh, very contained and like not not uh, necessarily doing these kind of like rule-breaking things and to have that come out and uh, be like a, a really scandalous kind of scene that I think establishes The bond grew really well, so I'm going to include that there. One that got mentioned a second ago by Johnny is the parachute jump from The Spy Who Loved Me. I think a singular moment that I think embodies all of Roger Moore, I think one of his most iconic shots and one of the most iconic shots of the franchise. So if I'm talking specific moments, it's definitely going to be like him going off that cliff. You don't know what's going to happen. You're thinking he's going to fall into his death for a second, and then there goes the parachute. And, of course, the music plays right right on cue and everything. It's really, really a, a cool moment. Next one I have is one that is a really big moment for the franchise, a really big moment for how its impact on pop culture, and that is the Blowfield re- reveal from *You Only Live Twice*. When he finally turns around and you see Blowfield's face with the scar and everything else, and you see Donald Pleasance playing Blo- Blofeld in that moment, and you've built up Blofeld for how many movies now, like permission with Love, he's there. You don't see him; he just kind of like you see like his hands and his he's petting the petting the pet and everything like that. And this is you're finally getting to see the face of Blowfield. So I think and Dr. Evil and all, all the b- movies that make fun of Bond villains, they always include like a guy with a scar or something like that. And I think all oh, the bad guy with the scar across his eye is like in, in all kinds of action movies now. And I think a lot of that comes from this specific moment right here. And my last one, I wanted to pay some love to Daniel Craig. And I also wanted to pay some love to a really iconic part of the Bond franchise that I think is one of the, my favorite parts to see in every single movie of the Bond franchise. And that's the gun barrel sequence. I think Daniel Craig has the coolest one and at the end of his cold open, he is shooting in the bathroom and then like that shot of him shooting the guy kind of cuts right into the gun barrel. I thought it was a really awesome transition. It's my favorite of the, it's one of the coolest of the gun barrel sequences. And I think it for me represents all of the gun barrels across the whole franchise, which are always kind of cool to see.
1: Yeah, that's, those are, those are great choices. This one, you know, I figured with these, we're not going to have as much commonality. Joe, have, where does that put us in terms of what got multiple? Oh, uh, we
0: have two right now. That have two. We have the Bond intro of the from Doctor Dell of Bond. James Bond uh, has two, and then we have the uh, from the Spy Who Loved Me. Him skiing off the side of the cliff and the parachute releasing has two. Everything else has one. So we have M in the Clock battery. Uh, Q in uh, License to Kill. Uh, the Le Chiffre, uh torture scene has. We have the GoldenEye base jump from Russia with Love, the uh, train fight with Red, Honey Rider's Arrival, uh, the Blofeld reveal in You Only Live Twice, and then the Daniel Craig gun barrel scene.
1: All right. So, yeah, it's tough because that, that basically, I mean, so that's one on each of your lists, two from mine because I crossed over with each of you for the two moments that got multiple votes. Um, if I was going to cast my vote for the others, I, I agree with Tristan. I think the gun barrel sequence is hard to leave off because it's iconic in like every movie. And that is also my favorite one. I like the way they did that. Um, so that would be a vote for one of them. I I, I would be okay
0: with that. I would lock that in the Daniel Craig gun barrel from which movie is that from Casino Royale? from Casino Royale. Royale. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And then so that leaves us with a few options here. I I think the train scene with Red Grant, yeah, maybe you could say it's not just a moment, it's a full scene. extended scene rather than one moment. So if I'm gonna go one moment, um, for mine the base jump in GoldenEye is more of a moment than like a full scene. I agree, like the the same with same argument with La Chief. Um, the torture scene is yeah. not not really like a moment. It's a full scene. Blofeld's reveal is super iconic. But I it, that one trips me out a little bit because I think if they just stuck with either Donald Puzzins or kept the scar on Blofeld, I think that would be more iconic for the franchise. But it is still super iconic. So then that's like a good moment. I don't even know what Joe's talking about with the clock battery and Tomorrow Never Dies. And I've seen that movie like <laughs> three or four times. Semi-recently. And I do love Q in License to Kill, but I don't know. That's not – he has a few good, fun scenes, but, again, that's yeah. not exactly one that I'd be like, oh, it's a moment. Yeah. Maybe it's revealed that he shows up, but – I think I the know.
2: GoldenEye base jump is definitely a yeah, singular I, moment out of the whole – That's uh, what uh, I was it it era that well. I think is more noting. I will say, like, we might be uh, – in my list will be talking about that in a second when we talk about cold opens. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it might come up again in the Mount Rushmore conversation. But uh, for me, I, I – Didn't pick that as a moment because for me, I like the whole cold open as a whole more than just that singular moment. Because it is a great moment, but I'm going to be talking about the cold open as a whole in a bit. So that's the reason that I didn't have that on my list personally.
1: Yeah, it's funny because like if you're looking at this, and let's say that is what makes our list, you could essentially say that, okay, so the opening of Dr. No is the Bond reveal. The parachute jump is from a cold open of The Spy Who Loved Me, and the gun barrel is the end of the cold open in so do we want to <laughs> maybe not go with the base jump just because then it would be all four moments of the best would all be from like the very mm-hmm. openings like is there anything that stuck out to you guys that like maybe the end of a movie that was more of a moment I thought christmas or...
0: only came <laughs> twice a year would
1: one moment well, day... i have like i have I, the I, Golden I, Gate I... bridge fight in uh, uh a view to a kill but that's more of a, just a full scene but i just think that's a very iconic moment them for me on it.
2: i consider for my uh bond james bond moment my fifth one essentially on the list here was going to be the final scene of casino royale when we finally get daniel craig saying bond james bond and this theme cuts in and it cuts to the credits so that was mm-hmm. my pick for a bond but we already have uh, De- uh sean connery's bond on there so you can't actually put and, that
1: in <laughs> the first gun barrel which they basically it's like a similar type yep. of thing um I, so if we're going based on what the list is then, and I think it encompasses more of like a different aspect of the series, the Blofeld reveal is like the most iconic villain reveal yeah. of the, of the series. And I think that's more of a moment that's different than anything else we have. Yeah. Um, so maybe I think I might go for that as well. Yeah. Um, Cause we have the bond reveal, I think a villain reveal and like, unless there's another one you guys think is more, iconic in the series than that i think that's the most iconic like villain reveal
2: yeah i think yeah. even people don't even know in the mind like i didn't know until i watched this this time that they got rid of they got rid of the scar on Blowfield. i was like oh Blowfield's the guy with the scar and like I, I guess because of the impact of this moment on me i knew that shot and i knew that character from that moment and so i think that resonates pretty well as as a moment across culture for bond
0: yeah all right so are we locked in with those four
1: I think so, yeah.
0: All right, so our four uh, best Bond moment Mount Rushmore is the uh, Bond, James Bond intro from Dr. No. We have James Bond skiing off the cliff uh, and releasing the Union Jack parachute in The Spy Who Loved Me. We have the Blofeld reveal and You Only Live Twice and the Daniel Craig gun barrel moment from Casino Royale. I
1: like those. And Which, those are good like moments rather than miss, scenes. Yeah.
0: And that brings us to
2: none because there's just so many good ones,
0: yeah, and that mm-hmm. brings us to Bond girls and Johnny, do you want to kick that off?
1: yeah, this was a really tough one because honestly if you look at the franchise as a whole, I feel like maybe I used to think there weren't as many iconic ones, but then if you look at like rewatching it I'm like I really like a lot of the a lot of the bond girls um but I'm gonna just go with four that I think are not only iconic but some of my favorites um i gotta go Vesper berlin uh played by eva green in casino royale she's my favorite that's the best the most like that's the actual relationship in the movie that um out of any of them like their connection probably rings the truest and i like that she has more of a backstory um and ends up you know dying at the end and stuff i think it's that's like what her. they really wanted to go for in our Majesty's secret service but got that with Casino Royale, um, you know, years and years later, but she's great. I love, um, when she's crying in the shower and bond, like licks her fingers to sig- like to signify, like the blood is not, it's like off your hands. You can, you know, this isn't your fault. And then at the end, when she's drowning, she does the same thing to bond. Um, that's like the best writing probably in any bond movie, just like little things like that. Um, to kind of signify like this isn't your fault the blood's not on your hands I didn't die because of you type of thing Um, but yeah I think she's great in it um, and they have good chemistry and then same thing I went with I didn't have this as the moment um, but Honey Rider she was the first Bond girl Uh, Ursula Andress was a like a huge icon after this movie mainly because of the bikini reveal um, and she's in a bikini most of that movie walking around but you know, she, she has the look, she's a good character. Um, I like her a lot. She kind of has what they introduce in some of them where she has kind of a revenge plot of her dad was killed by Dr. No. Um, I wish it go, went in a little stronger in that, but I think she's super iconic. I went with, um, Tracy Bond, uh, from, uh, honor, majesty, secret service. Diana Rigg is so good in that. And I think that's one of my favorite performances of a Bond girl. Um, and you know, I think. When you have George Lazenby, who's basically a first-time actor, she really carries that relationship and makes it more believable than it would have been. So I, I think uh, she's good in that. So I have her. And then I really struggled with one of the most iconic actual characters, but is super problematic, which is Pussy Galore, because she's a lesbian that Bond turns. I think that she's a much more iconic character Um but i didn't go with her because of that reason and i wanted to go with the kind of kick-ass bond girl so it was between two um and i went with natalia from um goldeneye because she is super capable uh by herself she's a hacker she actually helps the mission she you know stops the satellite and stuff while bonds uh chasing Trevelyan. like she is a great strong character and like that was good after not really having that for a few movies and stuff. Um and I think that was like the best version of that. I really like Natalia. And she you will actually get her backstory. You get her, you know, being in there when all her friends and coworkers get murdered. Um you know, I I, I like a Bond Girl with agency and I love Natalia. I think it's a really, really um strong character and a and a great Bond girl. And while I hated her in the actual Goldeneye game because she'd just always be in your way or go off and die and you'd lose. Um the mission but she in the actual movie she's super capable and i and i like her a lot so those are my my four and i kind of uh you know straight away from what i my actual list on that last choice but i think that's my uh my strongest four
0: all right uh tristan you are up you're muted i think
2: oh that would help <laughs> My first pick uh, is one that Johnny uh, decided not to put on his list, one that I uh, did not have Johnny's strength because my number one is Pussy Galore. I think the problematic elements of her character are not present in the movie version. I mean, they're there, kind of, (laughs) but it's not stated directly that he's converting her. So in my mind, my headcanon is like, hey, maybe she's just like this Modern day contemporary woman who is like, we'll sleep with whoever, you know, that's kind of like a modern day will be with sexuality. It's like <laughs> she's a yeah, lesbian, yeah. but when Sean Connery comes along, it's like, you know, we'll go for it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh she embodies kind of like the funny names too of like them yeah. giving Bond girls on the nose kind of names. And she has a really iconic entrance. I think she's really funny and, uh, she is. And she's pretty, pretty
1: She's pretty badass.
2: Yeah, she's confident. She stands up on her own. I like that she's not like this ditzy young kind of girl that just falls over Sean Connery immediately. She she's she stands toe to toe with Bond and is very assertive and confident. And she has like this energy of like a 1930s like femme Patel out of the out of like the noir movie. So I think I really like her performance in that. I think it's a really great character. My next is one that Johnny did put on his list, and it's Vesper Lynn from Casino Royale. I think if you're talking about the couple of times they've tried to be like, oh, here's the one that Bond actually does care about and it goes wrong. They did it a couple, once or twice throughout the franchise where they tried to be like, oh, here's the real, the the, the climactic Bond girl, the Tracy Bond. You know, I think this is by, by far the most effective. I really buy their chemistry and I really like the way that they re- write her character to have the impact on Bond. Like she's the inspiration for the, the martini and uh, more than that though, but he inspires like how, his relationship with women throughout the whole franchise, you know, so I think they did a great job working her into the lore of Bond in that way. Next up, I have Octopussy, played by Maude Adams. <laughs> I think she is, uh, uh, another one of the most iconic named uh Bond villains. Also, she the actress played uh, more more than one Bond girl, so I think I give her some props for that for being two Bond yeah, they, girls. <laughs> they brought her
1: back for Octopussy because they liked her so much in the original one. Um, and I and also. Old
2: I also give them respect for casting a woman who is at least as close to Roger Moore's age more and not like this very young uh, type of actress. And I think uh, similarly to uh, Pussy Galore, I think she's someone that really can stand up toe to toe with Bond. And I like that in a woman who, uh, in this franchise, someone who isn't kind of just immediately falling for him and immediately all over him. Someone who can uh, be as confident as he is essentially in a room. So that's my pick for my third one. And my last one is someone that got brought up earlier in the episode. Uh, I think it counts as a Bond girl. I'm saying Mayday. Uh, that's my pick for my fourth uh, uh, slot. I think she's a really fun character out of one of the my favorite Bond movies. And I want to give props to like, she's literally a henchman directly connected to the bad guy and then turns to Bond in the end. And it's like, that's kind of a cool arc for a woman who's all the way on the bad guy side and then turns all the way to Bond's side. It's kind of a cool moment for her. So, and the performance is really fun too. So I wanted to give some love to that.
1: I like that. Um, yeah, Maud Adams is the most uh, age-appropriate Bond girl that Roger Moore ever had, and she's, I believe, 18 years younger than him <laughs> and is the closest in age to Roger Moore uh, than any of the Bond girls in the franchise. That might be different because I know a couple of them um, like originally lied about their ages, so when I looked that up originally because it was in like my Bond reviews that I wrote, I don't know if that is necessarily true, but yeah, every other Bond girl... At least what they, uh, on record on like IMDb, what their age is, every other Bond girl's 20 years younger than Roger Moore. So, yeah, that's that, that gets to be a bit of a problem in like A Few to a Kill um, when he was older than the actress's mom. And he was like, yeah, I'm done. I <laughs> I'm i retiring. So, Joe, right. that brings us to your four.
0: All right, I have uh, some commonalities with uh, both of you. So first up, I have uh, Honey Rider, played by Ursula Andress, and Doctor No. She was the original Bond girl, kind of set, you know, the tone of what it is to be a Bond girl. A super iconic intro, and so had to go with her. Next up, obviously uh, Vesper Lynd, played by Eva Green in Casino Royale. I think the perfect love interest for Daniel Craig's Bond, and I think it'd be kind of cool to see more of that moving forward than just like one-off kind of like random. Uh, women and so I had to go with her next up uh, just like Johnny had uh, Tracy Bond played by Diana Rigg in Honor Majesty Suki Service really the only Bond that are the only Bond girl that uh, James actually uh, marries and it would have been kind of interesting if uh, George Lazenby decided to sign on and they had more of like a multi movie arc with her instead of just like oh he didn't sign on so we're just going to kill her so the next Bond doesn't have a wife and then finally, I went in a different direction with my fourth one, and I went with uh, Dr. Holly Goodhead, played by Lois Childs in Moonraker. Uh, Look, Johnny wanted more of uh, a Bond girl with a little bit more agency, and I liked her as a pilot that kind of you know, wasn't exactly head over heels with Bond in the beginning, so I decided to go with her uh, as my fourth pick. The one
2: you can tell we make... watched a lot of Bond because yes. you just said Howie Goodhead without even blinking. And we were like, yeah, that sounds like a character's <laughs> name. <laughs> that,
1: yeah, that name, that's that's a pretty wild one too. Um, yeah, that I, was part I of why I wanted with... to go with her. Because I wanted one of those like
0: Pussy Galore kind of names. Right.
1: That... Yeah, because Honey Rider doesn't do it enough. Um, <laughs> I went with, I almost went with Y Lin over Natalia from Tomorrow Never Dies. Because she's like the most badass Bond girl in yeah. terms of like, you know, having agency and stuff. Um but I, I overall I went with the over her. But I, I think for this, because we have some obviously with multiple votes.
0: We have But three I do that think
1: it's it's maybe Yeah, I get, okay, so go over what's multiple and then we'll then we'll Yeah,
0: Vesper Lind has three, and then Honey Rider and Tracy Bond both have two.
1: Okay. My huh. my one argument against Pussy Galore making the list is that I feel like you need her or Honey Rider because those are like the two iconic ones from the early ones. So it'd be up in the air on like, you need either one. The only reason I didn't include Pussy Galore is because I already had Honey Rider because she was the first. But I think overall iconic character, Pussy Galore is a better character. Maybe not as iconic in like looks, but um, maybe a better character. And then my argument against myself and Joe's list is – as much as I love Diana Rigg and I think she's probably the best actress in the like best actor in general in that whole movie. Is it a little redundant having Vesper and Tracy Bond? You kind of get this similar story, but it's more fleshed out with Vesper.
2: Yeah. I was going to make that argument is you get the same idea out of Vesper. It's like, here's the one that actually mattered to Bond, but I think it works a lot better. I didn't buy Diana Rigg's chemistry at all with, with Bond in that. And, uh, I didn't even want to say the guy's name. Uh, I didn't... <laughs> what, was, what was that actor's name? Oh, yeah, I was going to say it, but I was like, you know what? No, let's just pass that one. But yeah, I didn't buy her chemistry with the lead actor at all. And I think uh, I definitely bought Vesper as a love interest for Bonds. And I I would love to have put Tracy Bond on there just because she's the one that tied Bond down. But I just think Vesper does that a little bit better.
0: Yeah, so yeah, I thought about that as I was doing the list. I was like, is this redundant? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, eh, well, we'll figure that out, I guess, when we do the final list. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, th- I thought about that while Tristan was doing his. Um, and, yeah, that kind of turned me against having both. But I do think Diana Rigg is great in the movie. But, yeah, George Lazenby, you don't get a- enough chemistry because he's just not a very good actor. But yeah. my favorite person, my personal... Favorite is either Vesper or uh, Camille from Quantum, but I don't think she has like the iconic background no, no. like that, you know, some of these other ones are. So I like Vesper on there. So are Vesper and Honey it's Rider a decision locked between in. Honey Rider or Pussy Galore or both? I mean, I'm not going to say that. That's not as redundant, I guess, as like Tracy and, no. and Vesper. I um, think we said
2: I think Honey Rider should probably make the list as the first Bond girl, and I had her in the in the moment because I think her coming out in the bikini like that is such an iconic moment. So I definitely think that she has a a worthy spot on the list, whether it's in here or on the moment spot.
0: I would also yeah. argue I like almost maybe to put both on the list. If you were to go out in the street and just ask someone like name a Bond girl, I feel mm-hmm. like over half of the people are going to say Pussy Galore. Yeah,
1: yeah, I like and I that. Like- and-
2: i like that she's different she feels a lot different than honey rider where honey rider was purely the sex symbol like the super attractive model that was like oh we're hiring her because she's going to be gorgeous and yep. she's going to be like the sex goddess of all the teenage boys watching this movie in the theater and uh 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 priscilla is not necessarily that she's uh different than she's not just like a purely sex symbol she's sexy and she's attractive but she's not there just to be like enticing she actually has a bit of a more complexity and she's a bit more human looking and she's not, she's a bit more grounded and interesting as a character. Yeah.
1: So I'd right.
0: say we lock that in pussy galore.
1: Yeah. I think that's, I think that's a lock. Um, I kind of talked myself more into that and out of Tracy bond as, yeah. as we went on. Um, so our last spot we have. So, so far though, let's see what we have. So we have a Craig era and we have two Conneries. So I think yeah. we definitely need to go either Roger Moore or Brosnan yeah. here. So I think our best options are, um, I mean, it looks like those are the other things anyway. We have Octopussy, Mayday, Doctor Holly Goodhead, and Natalia, um, all in the like realm of time we're kind of looking at to put on there. Um, not Jinx. where do you guys fall on like those? those you no, know, not Jinx or Christmas Jones either.
2: I think um, as much as Octopusy was my pick, I don't. I feel like we have enough of those like pun names. Especially mm. all puns on literally the same <laughs>
1: word. Yeah.
0: I almost, I, I'm almost thinking Natalia from uh,
1: uh the was it Tomorrow Never Dies? Goldeneye. Goldeneye,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that's a good pick.
1: Yeah, I I like her a lot in that, I think she's kind of underrated in terms of like memorable characters. But like for our generation, like growing up, she was the one in Goldeneye, which was the most popular movie because the the game was there. Yeah. she kind of got hated on because in the game she's fucking annoying but um <laughs> that's she, all my
2: memory is like from her in the game so i was like right. immediately i saw the movie and i was like <laughs> i hate you and she like won me over across the course of the movie i was like oh you're actually a good character yeah
0: all right so yeah. I think we're going to Talia.
1: and i love her line when she flips when bond um you know when trevelyan is like threatening to kill her and bond's like i don't give a shit about her basically and then at the end when they take bond and Natalia's like, I don't give a shit about him. Like, I like that she has that yeah. attitude towards it. Um, yeah. So I think that's like she kind of takes up with what, I, what
0: I wanted from Holly Goodhead. So Mm-mm. I'm good with that.
1: And Dr. Holly Goodhead would be such a better character if it, if she had a different name, yeah. that one, like the names don't always throw me off, but in that movie, it just doesn't fit her. Um, but I, I think she's a good character and yeah, shout out. Maude Adams is great. I like her in both bond movies that she's in. Mm-hmm. Um but, yeah, I think that's a strong four. So what, what, right, what's so our, our final uh, four, All right, so our
0: Mount Joe? Rushmore of uh, Bond Girls is Vesper Lind from Casino Royale, Honey Rider from Dr. No, Natalia from Goldeneye, and Pussy Galore from Goldfinger. All right. And that brings like us a really good list. to Cold Opens, which is going to be kicked off by Tristan.
2: Cold Opens. I'll give away the one that I already gave away real quick here and say that I included the Cold Open from... Uh, Oops, I just erased it. Go back <laughs> from GoldenEye in mind because I think it really does a great job of establishing that era of Bond and like the action-packed kind of tone they going for with those movies. And that bungee jump scene is super iconic. It's something that I knew about before I even knew about Bond. It was ingrained into my childhood, you know, from watching the trailers and everything else. And I always remember that with the game. And so I think that cold open I think is really a great uh, tribute to Pierce Brosnan who. Didn't really get to do a ton of great Bond movies after this one, but this is, I think, like, the embodiment of everything cool about his version of the character. And I also have the open of From Russian With Love, I think is a really cool uh, one where they do the fake-out of Bond being on this mission. You think it's kind of an actual Bond mission that that just went wrong, and he's getting strangled, and you're like, oh, my God, Bond's about to get captured or killed, and then they pop the lights on, and you get revealed that it was just a practice, and I think that's a cool... Way to bring Bond in again for the sequel. Next up, I have uh, Goldfinger. I think that's easily the most iconic of the openings for me, at least when he's walking with that suit and everything else. And I think it's just such a, such a really great look for Bond. And I'll always uh, like, Bond will never be as cool as Sean Connery walking into that uh, room in the white suit. And I think that was just like such a f- fundamental Bond scene. I also have the opening of uh, "A View to a Kill" is my my one here. I think that is such a great action pack. I love that movie. It's one of my favorite Bond movies that I've seen, at least of the ones that I've seen so far. And I think when it goes from like the ski to the other actions, it's just like very fun. And I think it embodies Roger Moore's era so well. Where it's just like you're here to have a good time. You're here to see Bond do cool stuff and do jumps and do flips and use gadgets and I think that opening embodies like everything I really liked about Roger Moore. All
0: right, and uh, what was your second
2: movie? Uh, For with Love.
0: All right, here, here, here. just a second. We gotta write that down. All right, so uh, that brings us to my list. Uh, I have some commonality with uh, Tristan. My first one, I have A View to a Kill. Uh, I remember going into the movie knowing it was one of the most hated Bond movies, and as soon as Bond started snowboarding down the mountain as the Beach Boys played, I'm like, anyone who ever disliked this movie is wrong. This moment is amazing. And so obviously that had to make my list. Uh, What else do I have on my list? Nice my phone quit shutting off.
2: Oh, I had I a should. similar moment though, when that opening shot came in, and I was like, "Who lied to me and said this was a bad one?" Because yeah. this is <laughs> not. I
0: immediately texted Johnny during that that moment, and I'm like, "I, I know what's making my Mount Rushmore of cold opens." Um, <laughs> next, uh, I have the uh, dogfight uh, scene from Tomorrow Never Dies of the him hopping in the plane to uh, take out the other plane. It was just a like really good moment that I really enjoyed. Uh, my third moment, I have the. Uh, fight and chasing in Skyfall that ends with uh, Money Penny uh, trying to shoot uh, the guy that Bond is fighting. And he's telling her to take the ch- shot. And she ultimately misses, shoots Bond, and he falls into the water below. And then finally, just like Tristan, I had the Goldfinger moment with, you know, I kind of think it set the stage of what the Cold Open is going to be. Him in the white suits is super iconic, so I had to go with that.
1: And those are my all right. picks. There was a surprising omission to both lists after the discussion we had about moments, and that is The Spy Who Loved Me. Um, great ski scene to open, um, and you have the iconic moment we talked about with the parachute, but besides that, I like that first of all, it sets up the plot because you have a nuclear warhead go missing. I like the unrelated ones, but I do like when the cold open like sets up the initial plot and then maybe bond is off doing something else and then the other part that i think um, people don't really give credit for but i really like uh, in it is they tell the russians that okay call call your agent and they talk about okay agent triple x that's the best we've got let me let me call agent triple x and then it cuts to a dude who kind of looks like james bond like a really handsome guy in the bed next to a woman and then the, like the phone rings or whatever and it's then it's revealed that anya the woman in the bed is agent triple x it's not the guy that you might have expected and then it goes into the whole ski sequence and you get bond killing her boyfriend which sets up the plot and the nuclear warhead go missing so i think that overall is maybe the best bond cold open um and the most iconic so i really like that one um casino royale i went with over joe has um skyfall i think casino royale you get the the black and white opening um and him revealing like oh you you know you only have one kill what's your second him killing him and then in the bathroom um scene like you get an intense fight scene and then it ends with the gun the first gun barrel of craig's uh run so i think those two are great those are my t- two personal favorites and then i also have goldfinger um as well because you get bond with a with a wetsuit that has a duck on the on the head to disguise and then he gets out of the water he takes it off and he's in the iconic like white suit like Trish, uh, Tristan uh um I like that. I like when Bond is actually being a spy and he's on a mission and you get that right in the opening. Um and it's not really related to the rest of what happens. It's just like a cool sequence to introduce Bond in a new way. Um and then I have uh Goldeneye. You get everything, you get the you get the base jump, you get Trevelyan, you know, dying, um, you know, which sets up the pot later. You get um the only part of this one that always like makes me uh like takes me out of it a little is when the plane is falling and bond is uh dives after it and he catches up to it and i'm like that's not how works. <laughs> um but and that's like one of my big movie sins every anytime i see it but other than that like i think that is a great one gold and i um it's iconic for the game like that's how it opens that's your first mission and it's iconic for the movie because it's so great and you get an awesome stunt and introduce characters you get the, for england james you get like the little small establishment of the relationship between Trevelyan and bond so yeah those are those are my four so Casino Royale, Goldeneye, the Spy Love Me, and Goldfinger. All right, so are, are my four.
0: I think we potentially have three locked in. One of them might be a surprise to Bond fans. We have Goldeneye with two votes, A View to a Kill with two votes, and uh, Goldfinger.
1: <laughs> That's wild. I will fight against Goldfinger
0: that. with three votes. No, the, if my number one <laughs> draft pick is A View to a Kill, so I will fight to the death for A View to a Kill to be on our Mount Rushmore of Cold Opens. It's in
2: my it's in my top three so far the Bond movies.
1: I I like A View to a Kill is like one of the most watchable. It's one of the worst made Bond movies. Don't care. But it that's is definitely great. one of the most watchable, like fun. And that was one too. Like when I even just rewatching it after knowing like how it's looked at um, by most people, I'm like, this movie is more fun than I than I can remember it. Even though every fight scene is Bond being sixty years old and it's very <laughs> slow and notice that's the most noticeable stunt double movie you could maybe ever watch. Um, but yeah, I the the thing about A View to Kill is it starts off, you think it might be kind of like a, oh, this might be a pretty grounded Bond film. And then the turn is as soon as the Beach Boys song kicks in. And it's not even a, the Beach Boys because they couldn't afford the rights to the Beach Boys song. It's a cover band doing the Beach Boys song. It takes me out of that movie right from the beginning. Like it sets up, I guess, what what you did but i think that's the worst song choice in any bond movie. it was perfect it was so i love the beach boys but i don't need it in my bond movie and it's not even the real song at least don't be cheapos if that's what you're gonna do if that's what you need you're you're not gonna convince me here (laughs) oh my god how like if you're gonna go with a ski sequence in the opening go with the one from spy who loved me that he has the union jack parachute that we already put as our one of our top moments of the franchise.
0: I would have rather had uh, him snowboarding <laughs> listening to the Beach Boys <laughs> than that.
1: Look, oh I was into god. this scene and I was like, this
2: is a pretty cool opening. I'm not sure people are talking about saying this will be so bad. And then the Beach Boys song came out and I was like, oh, this is a five out of five right now. Look <laughs> at this.
0: <laughs> See, that's the thing. If me and Tristan both love it, then you know it's good because that's pretty rare.
1: Oh my god. I'm glad, you know, I, I gave it a 6.5 out of 10 in my actual I like, think I gave it an eight. rankings, but yeah, that's, I don't know about that. That was definitely not even one that crossed my mind in terms of cold opens. Like I didn't think that would make anyone's list, but, and then it makes both of your lists. <laughs>
0: yeah. Cause we're oh smart and we're cultured. So I, I would, I would say if we have those three locked in, we need a Craig one. And so it would come down to Casino Royale and Skyfall.
1: So what are our locks in? If you do a kill Golden Eye Goldfinger and Goldfinger. Um, one of my favorites that wasn't mentioned too is a Dalton one. I really like the opening of um the Living Daylights, the training sequence. Yeah. Um I think it's fun.
0: License to kill is good too with the uh, capture of the plane. Yeah, yeah, I
2: debated Living Daylights and uh, the From no Much With Love because they both <laughs> open up with like these training sequences. Uh, and I think For Much With Love, I picked this because it was early on, and I like the kind of fake out of you not realizing what it is until it's over. But yeah, I also like Living Daylights because it kind of establishes Timothy Dalton so quickly after Roger Moore is like a more serious bond. So that was a close call for me for sure.
1: But yeah, if we go Craig era, I think the more iconic one, I like Sky Falls, but the problem with Sky Falls is it has a lot of. It doesn't have like a cool stun or anything to point to it has them on top of helicopters and does face replacement which it always that again is like jarring to me in bond movies when it's clear like oh that's just another guy that they put craig's face on riding a motorcycle yeah. i'd rather just have a stunt man that you don't see the face than do face replacement um yeah. so for me like the tiebreaker on that would go to casino I, rail obviously that's on my list but it's super i think it's more iconic you had this whole backlash of daniel craig being bond um because he has blue eyes and blonde hair so they do the opening sequence um in black and white and then you get to the title sequence and it ends with a close-up shot of him bright blue eyes like they really make that stand out so i like that the cold open i think functions better for the movie than uh, a lot of other choices do
2: yeah i think similarly to how my argument for GoldenEye was that casino Royale also had a lot to prove for itself coming in after like especially having a decent gap between movies between the the old movie the brazen movies and then the craig kind of reboot and people came in kind of hesitant and there was a lot of pressure on the opening scene and i think people pretty unanimously like that movie a lot and i think the opening scene is one of the parts people like the most so i think it really accomplished a lot by having to win back a lot of people yeah all
0: right so is that locked those four locked in
2: I can't yes, believe he, we got ready to kill wait, on here.
1: So we don't even have a spy who Loved me on here. Maybe no. the most iconic opening of any of the Bond movies. No, and we got go to me with a view to a kill.
0: Yeah, so we have
1: with their fan beach voice cover.
0: Our four Mount Rushmore, uh Cola opens, we have Goldeneye, a View to a Kill, Goldfinger, and Casino Royale. There we go.
1: This is about the villains and I have a feeling of a villain that might pop up on a couple lists. Probably
2: this is what Bobby gets for not coming on the episode. He could have been the one to talk his down. He could have
1: been the voice of reason on that one. Maybe. Uh, I think
0: you'll be surprised at my list, honestly, of villains. And speaking of, I'm kicking it off. So uh, Johnny will get to either see how much he loves or hates my list of villains. <laughs> Uh, first off, I went with Blofeld. I think you have to go with Blofeld. It just comes down to which Blofeld do you pick. And I chose uh, Donald Pleasence from You Only Live Twice. I think it's the most iconic look of him. His intro is probably the most iconic moment of Blofeld, so it, that was the easy choice for me. Uh, next, I went with uh Chiffre, played by Mads Mikkelsen in Casino Royale. I think he's uh, my favorite. I mean, he's definitely my favorite of the Craig-era villains and I and. Mads Mickelson's amazing, so I had to go with him. Uh, I also went with uh, Oric Goldfinger, played by Gert Frobe in Goldfinger. I think he was kind of the prototypical of what you would expect from a Bond villain moving forward. Like There was Dr. No before him, but he was just kind of boring and there. Uh, he didn't really stand out as much. And uh, finally, for my fourth one, I went with Alec Trevelyan, played by Sean Bean in GoldenEye. It was kind of the only time we've had a former, uh, uh, I mean, I guess in Skyfall we had the same thing, but he didn't have a relationship as much with Bond, so this one was like, Bond's friend is now a villain, and so I like that dynamic. So those are my four picks. Blofeld, LeChief, Orit Goldfinger, and Alec
1: Trevelyan. All right.
0: And that for uh, leads me... us to Johnny.
1: So I also have Blofeld. You got to have Blofeld on here. I think Donald Pleasance is the most iconic look. Um, but I think the Blofeld that I want to go with, narrowly edging out Charles Gray, I'm going to go with Telly Savalas in On Her Majesty's Secret Services, Blofeld. You really get to see him as the main villain in a full um, movie. It's a little confusing because they're not supposed to have met yet. That movie supposed to have come out before for your eyes or for uh, you only live twice so it doesn't really make sense that he doesn't recognize bond if you watch them in order um but i think telly is so much fun as blofeld and really makes that character stand out um donna pleasance really downplays the role um which i think is just a a choice that he made which which works for the movie but i think overall my favorite like performance of blofeld is telly Savalis. um i also have Alec trevelyan again sean bean is great um you don't really get the kind of revenge angle and any of the villains before um this uh of you know he bond screwed up the mission and changed the time and now i have to kill bond too because um you know he he betrayed me uh in a in a way or basically he takes it personally i like their relationship i like his performance um he's great i also have uh, goldfinger I think he's the most iconic of the actual Craig villains. I think Red Grant might be up there, but he's, uh, but again, he's what I would consider a henchman, not a main Bond villain. I wanted to stick with main villains here. So I went with Goldfinger. And then it was tough on the last one. I really like um, Scar Manga. I really like uh, Sanchez uh, in uh, License to Kill, but I ended up going with while I do love Lashif, and he might be my favorite villain of the Craig era. I think actual like performance wise and being a bond villain and being like just more of a high stakes villain. Well, kind of a low level specter guy um, or quantum guy at the time. Um, I went with Silva um, in Skyfall. I think he has the best villain uh, entrance and like his monologue is, is incredible uh, in that. And it's just a really fun performance. You get the scene with him in the chair and Javier Bardem um, is like, groping him and bonds like how would you you know what makes you think this would be my first like they got a lot of good back and forth and i like that like a trevelyan takes it personal for bond i like silva having a personal vendetta against m and in the end he kind of wins and succeeds because m does die at the end spoiler alert for, for skyfall but silva was pretty much uh successful in his mission he didn't kill bond but he got m and that's pretty much all he was setting out to do from the beginning of the movie so i think um I think that is my four. So yeah, Goldfinger, Blofeld by Telly Savalas, Alec Trevelyan, and Silva. All right, Tristan, what are your four?
2: Uh, So my four, I'll start off with uh, one that's gotten mentioned every time so far, and it's Goldfinger. I think he is the embodiment of that kind of cheesy Bond villain that is over the top, but not too over the top. He's a perfect balance, and... I think it's the whole cool story behind it, where the actor pretty much faked his way into the role and could barely speak English at all. And in real life, the actor was like this hero who saved Jewish people during the Holocaust and hid them in his house. And he's a fascinating kind of guy. So I, I, I think him playing Goldfinger is a really interesting choice, like this real life hero who plays this maniacal villain. Thanks. Next up, I of course have Blowfield, but I actually went with a different one from each of you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I went with Blofeld from, from Russia with love. I think it's a really interesting choice to have him not have his face shown and to have him just be this menacing kind of presence in the background. I think that's where Blofeld as a character works the best, not as like the main antagonist that Bond's going directly against, but as the guy in the background, the, the shadow kind of manipulating events into the way that he wants him to be. So I went with from Russia with love. I think that was a really interesting portrayal of a villain for Bond and a good introduction uh for like to the continuity essentially because you could have easily just had these be one-off kind of adventures and that kind of introduces a little bit of a sense of continuity at least within the sean connery movies next up i have one that uh johnny mentioned as a potential uh choice for him they didn't end up going with and that sanchez from license to kill i i mentioned in my in my uh, henchman that i was really i uh, thought red grant was interesting because he was like this foil of bond he was like kind of the best and the worst of bond as a character and i think sanchez is that also he's like this very smooth talking charismatic kind of guy that everyone can help but listen to and i think that is part of bond as well and i think he has he also embodies that that violence that, that like need to for vengeance and, and especially in timothy dalton's bond has that kind of anger inside him I think Sanchez represents the darkness of Bond, kind of exaggerated to its full extent. So I think he's a really fascinating villain. And especially in a franchise when there's so many huge, ridiculous, big villains, just have one of them be like, here's a guy in a suit doing like drug deals in this other country. He's not necessarily as ridiculous as some of the other villains are. And lastly, I have uh, the one that Johnny called me out for possibly having. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I I know Christopher Walken is Max Zorin. Zorin is so good in Vito Akil. He He's so ridiculous and in, in, in like hamming it up the whole entire time. And Christopher Walken has become like a meme at certain points in his career. And I think this is one of his like most meme-morally performances, but it's, a, it's also like a good performance. So I think he's having so much fun with it. And I think you can tell like everybody in this movie just having like a good time pretty much. And Christopher Walken, I think is just having the time of his life <laughs> playing this completely ridiculous character and, one of my favorite Bond movies, so I have him as my fourth pick.
1: I knew he'd pop up once you two were so sold on if you do a kill. I'm like, Zorin's got to be on one of their lists at least. Yeah. So, All what right. does that lock us in? All Goldfinger right, so Blofeld, Blofeld is locked
0: in with three. We just have to basically determine, I think, which Blofeld gets in. And then Goldfinger has three, and Trevelyan has two. All right. So I think probably first order of business is figure out which Blofeld is making our list.
1: I'll, I'll just throw this out there. Tristan, I like the aspect he went to of he works better as this mysterious guy. You don't really see. And then I went with the complete opposite because I liked having him front and center as the villain, but overall Donald Pleasance is the most iconic look. And it combines those two things. He's mysterious. You don't see his face throughout the whole thing. And then he's revealed in the final act as the guy behind everything, and you get his reveal. I, I when I originally did my list, I had Blofeld, (parentheses) Donald Pleasance, but I wanted to go different because Joe, um, already had taken him. I was hoping Joe would go with like Charles Gray from uh, Diamonds <laughs> Are Forever because he apparently really loved that movie. It's um, right. I think, I think that I think he's awesome in that movie. Um, but, that was I yeah. thought
0: about it. If he had if he had the scar in that movie. I would yeah. have probably picked him, but I, it was just too. I think if you have, if someone's like not really a Bond fan or just a casual Bond fan and you showed them a picture of Blofeld from uh, Diamonds Are Forever and asked which character this is, they probably wouldn't know. Where Donald Pleasant's Blofeld, it's like people automatically know who that is.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree. I think that's the most iconic Blofeld. I think that I like the to with Love version because it just embodies like what I would have liked from the character. But yeah, if you're talking Mount Rushmore icons, it's hard to beat Donald Pleasence's Blofeld. I made a whole argument for it already. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. and if you make and if you make a um, a Mount Rushmore, you want Donald Pleasants' face with that scar. You don't want Telly Savalas with his earlobes taped back, and you don't want just a, nod, a man a in a chair face. that you can't see. Yeah, ba- just like a cat and hand. So <laughs> and the cat, yeah, you know? if you're if you're putting a face of Blofeld on it, Donald Pleasence is definitely the the face even though it might not be my favorite Blofeld performance it's definitely the most iconic looking Blofeld.
0: all right so that brings us to deciding between lachif silva sanchez and zoran
2: i think we definitely got to go with uh more modern version one of the craig versions uh villains i mean i think uh is a really iconic one and i think embodies casino royale really well uh I haven't seen Skyfall. It's one of the only Bond movies I haven't seen yet. So I can't comment on that, Bill. <laughs> I'm saving that one for the end because it's like that. I'm potentially going to do that Inspector back to back uh, as my finale. So I haven't seen that one just yet. But if I was going to vote for other one, I, I'd have to go with the Sheaf because that's the one that I've seen. <laughs> but I have on a lot of the lists. I do. Uh, Johnny's pick was one of the ones on a lot of the lists. So I, I, he has some of the backing of the fans too. Yeah.
0: Because um, I, I number one, I feel dirty taking the Sheaf when. Tristan hasn't seen Silva, so it's hard for me to just like accept that victory. <laughs> so... I'll say
1: this: I I went with Silva because I think he just has a bigger actual villain plot than Lashif does. Lashif is basically um, there as like the stock market guy, and then he fucks up because Bond stops that plane from crashing, and then has to win his money back. So or they'll kill him. So the only reason my tiebreaker was that. But I think overall, I like lashif as a character more. So I wouldn't have an issue going with oh. lashif because that's the movie we've all seen. And I love Mance Nicholson. He's one of my favorite actors on the planet. I'll make,
2: I'll make an argument for the one I haven't seen and say that we have Casino Royale kind of covered a multiple times on that list. And we haven't covered Skyfall, which is a pretty mm-hmm. acclaimed movie. So that's that would be the only too. argument I could on think of face. of changing it up because we've covered... Dan, uh, Daniel Craig's Casino Rail a lot, but we haven't covered much of the other movies.
0: And I think Silva covers more of like what you want from a Bond villain. He has like the scar, kind of, but it's a different type of scar. It's not just like oh, I will have a mark on my face where Lechiffe does. Just have like oh, I have a scar on. Yes, his, his
1: eye bleeds <laughs> once in a while.
0: Yeah, <laughs> and uh,
1: that's just, like his his.
0: And Silva is more beautiful. of like the overdramatic... dramatic kind of put on a performance type of villain that I think you want more from a Bond villain. So I think I'm going to argue against myself and actually flip my vote to Silva. <laughs> all
1: right. Like I'm, that I we it turned it around. Joe and I both tried to go I tried to flip mine and then Joe flipped his, but yeah, I think Silva like I said like Mads Mikkelsen is great, but it's like kind of meant to be like kind of an underplayed type of guy and he's more like he's scared for his own life. That's why he's doing it. So he's desperate. Silva it's like the cocky evil villain i think uh yeah. that you don't get in any of the other craig movies as much so i mean i like dominic green and quantum but he's not like super memorable he's and just then, like you know we already guy. have Blofeld, who is technically who is inspector but none of us are picking christopher uh or christoph waltz's version of of that
2: he's a great actor but not
1: is i don't he know because he, he, he seems to only not...
0: do good when he's with quentin tarantino
1: yeah, he I think he does rewatching um You Only Live Twice makes me appreciate his performance more in Spectre because I think he went for the Donald Pleasance kind of downplay, be more of a mellow type of guy. Yeah. Um but he's Christoph Waltz. I wanted him to be like the Telly Savalas over the top Blofeld, oh. you know, instead of throwing it back to maybe yeah. something that's not in his strength.
0: Yeah, I feel like uh Spectre tried to go more for like the throwback type of Roger Moore esque kind of yeah, movie, they and they like just the didn't thing. tell um, Christoph Waltz that, so he was going, going for like the Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, realistic version.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I would have liked him to be like, if he was basically just exactly the same as he is in Inglorious Bastards as Blofeld, yeah. having really fun with the role. I think that would have been, yeah. Better for his for his character, yeah. Um, All right. All but he does get the scar, yeah. so at least they at least they gave him the scar.
0: So that brings us to our final Mount Rushmore of villains. In our it is uh, Donald Pleasant's Blofeld and You Only Live Twice, uh, Goldfinger from Goldfinger. We have Alec Trevelyan from Goldeneye, and uh, Silva from Skyfall. Um, All
1: right, so. I like those. All right, choices. And, Any um. Any villains that you guys, like, really like but didn't really have an argument for in Mount Rushmore? Because mine for that is I love Hugo Drax in Moonraker, but he doesn't belong anywhere near, like, iconic Bond villains. It's just one of my favorite characters um, that I want to give a shout-out to.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I kind of felt the same way about Green in Quantum of Solace, but he was just, like, a guy. Like, I liked him in the movie, but as far as, like, a Mount Rushmore of Bond villains, I'm like, he's just kind of a guy. So I can't really put him on the list
2: it was tough for me because like the, it was hard to not like Mike Zorn was me where I was like, okay, I kind of want to get this guy on the list, but I don't necessarily feel like I have an actual argument for him to be like <laughs> on this list of villains. But uh, you guys had a lot of the big ones covered and I was like, you know what? I'm going to throw Zorn in. He's on my, my like honorable mention essentially because I thought that he would be someone that I couldn't get my way yeah. into liking. I, would, so I wanted he... to get uh, Christopher Lee for the man with the golden gun on there because yeah. it's christopher lee and the villains are so much better than the rest of the movie is that like <laughs> you can't really nominate someone from that movie because the movie around them is just so it's just not good
1: yeah, yeah. the other the other um like villain that i i think uh, you could make an argument for because we don't get many female villains i think electric king is a really good villain in uh, the world is not enough yeah but like she kind of shares the role with renard like he's not he's really like a henchman he's more of just a secondary villain um but i i think she's great in that in what is outside of her like sometimes an overly ridiculous movie i think she is like a good intimidating uh and like maniacal kind of villain um so i i like her a lot too yeah rosin had some good villains in his i mean outside of die another day yeah but like even in um what's his name in uh, um, Tomorrow Never Dies the most over the top acting ever like uh, that dude knew like we talked about like Christoph Waltz not knowing what movie he was in that dude knew for sure okay. what movie <laughs> he Jeremy was Price, in the... um, yeah, yeah 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 my, my review um, of
0: that movie with the whole like government like the control of everything through the media was I feel like that movie's more relevant now than it was when that movie came out
1: Except for the fact that his whole idea is to be the number one newspaper in the world. Yeah, that's that part of it doesn't. Like if it was Yeah, if you go back and change that to like he had like the first idea of social media and this is how he was gonna make it big, yes, but the fact that newspapers were like out in like a few years after that movie Mm -hmm. came out and that was like the big Bond villain plot to start World War III so he could get exclusive broadcasting rights in China um that is literally his 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 plot like that's that's insane yeah
0: all right so uh, anything else anyone wants to add
2: no it was a great discussion i I was surprised we had a lot of crossover in some of the categories like how do you not have a blowfeld or goldfinger in your villain list or something like some of those are pretty easy to fill in but we all had our own like personal choices in there too so it was fun conversation
0: for sure
1: Yeah, you guys sure did have your personal choices that reflected (laughs) in our cold opens.
0: Yeah. All right, so uh, next week uh, we're continuing James Bond month. We're doing a uh, 24-movie bracket where I think we're going to recede them based on the Rotten Tomatoes score. And we're just going to go through and match them up head-to-head and eliminate them as we go and figure out, according to us, based on our bracket, what is the best James Bond movie of all time.
2: It's going to um, be a kill.
0: Yeah, it should be. I'm voting for it every time. Uh, <laughs> oh, my. Uh, I'm excited for it. Hopefully, Bobby will come back from wherever he's gone and will be able to be in it. He's been gone for two weeks now, so uh, hopefully he's back. Uh,
1: yeah, Bobby just hates James Bond. Yeah, and he's that, too ashamed a,
0: to I think that's what we learned. Like. Bobby hates James Bond. And uh, without further ado, goodbye. <laughs>